Bibles are open to Proverbs chapter 3. We know that this book, the book of wisdom, was written by King Solomon. We also know that it was written directly to his son, Rehoboam. It was the father trying to impart his faith and understanding to the next generation. And sadly, Rehoboam did not listen to his father's instruction, and, and he became sort of a mess as a king as a result of that. But Solomon is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And in verses 21 through 26, he's writing to his son about the virtues and the benefits and the consequences of righteous living. We know that unrighteous living has consequences, correct? Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Uh, it doesn't bring forth life. It destroys everything that it touches when it is finished. It doesn't start out that way, but as that continues to go on, it will destroy everything in its path unless there is an attitude of repentance, getting right with God, turning back and changing our ways. But we want to understand that the, the Bible is not just a book about the negatives. It's a book about the positives as well. Solomon wants his son to know that there are some positive, wonderful consequences to righteous living. God does not want us merely being robots, uh, obeying a list of rules. He wants us to have this relationship with him that is so vibrant that following him, letting him lead and guide in every area of our lives is truly our delight. And those who do so will find the blessings of God abounding in their lives in many different ways. He says in verse 21, my son, let not them, talking about the commandments of the Lord, uh, sound wisdom and discretion as he'll name in a moment, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in front of you at all times. Uh, don't, don't look away and be distracted by the philosophy or the, the way the world lives. Uh, keep sound wisdom and discretion. And he said, here's what happens. So shall they be life unto thy soul. In other words, you'll have a, a fulfilled life on the inside rather than an empty one. I've heard so many testimonies of people that had literally everything the world could offer, but they found themselves devoid of any real happiness or joy. Uh, it, it, it just was a bunch of noise at the end, and they, they just were empty until they found Christ as Savior. Um, uh, the Bible says you put, you put the principles of God in your life and, and you'll have a, a life that is fulfilled on the inside. He said um, that so shall there be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Grace is God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. The Bible says here that if we, we live that righteous life, obeying the word of God, we'll see God's grace continually working in our lives to change us uh, to use us, to bless us, to help us. He, he goes on to say in verse 23, then shalt thy walk in thy way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. When you walk on the path of the righteous, the Bible said it is as a shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. The book of Proverbs also says the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Uh, how many have gotten up in the middle of the night and uh, maybe a, a child cried and you had to go to their room to see what was wrong. You were going to go down to the kitchen to get a drink of water and you're barefoot. The house is dark. You don't want to turn any lights on and you find the missing matchbox car. Has that ever happened to anybody? 
Yeah, that's, that'll, that'll wake up the entire house real fast uh, and so forth. The Bible says the righteous don't have to deal with that in the issues of life because God will lead us. He'll lead us safely. Verse 24 is where I want to make our text this morning. Uh, when thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. He's talking about when you go to bed at the end of the day. When, it's all, when your day is done and you lie down, thou shalt not be afraid. You won't be worrying about, okay, what I did today, is that going to catch up to me? Is somebody going to find out what I did? Uh, is so-and-so going to tell somebody else what I did? Thou shalt not be afraid. The opposite of fear is peace. He said, yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be peace. This is a blessing that God, he, he promises and said, you walk a righteous path. It might be a rough patch. You might find yourself in a prison cell like Paul and Silas did in Acts chapter 16, but you, you will be fine. You'll still have enough peace and joy that you'll be praising and uh, praising God and singing at midnight uh, because you're just overflowing with the goodness of God. Uh, that grace will see you through the tough times because God's grace is sufficient for thee. Uh, and even your trials, you'll find out that God turns them around uh, and works all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. My thoughts this morning center around this idea, what, what am I going to be like at the end of the day? And I'm not talking about the end of my life. I'm talking about as, as this day is going to draw to a close. I'm of the age that bedtime is much earlier than it used to be. Um, but uh, like everybody else in this room, at some point, this day will be over and uh, the kids will all be in bed and the doors will be locked and the lights will go out and we'll, we'll, we'll put our head on our pillow. What will the end of your day be like? Will your sleep be sweet? Will you rejoice in the goodness of the Lord? Or will you have some regrets about how you spent the day? See, God's given to every one of us this day. It's the only one we're guaranteed of. It's the only, it's the only one we can do anything about. Um, I, I just turned 66 uh, this, this last week. I've no idea how many days are in 66 years, but I think it's a few. And probably somebody's pulling out their phone with their calculator right now to tell me how many days it is. But you know, all the days that have gone by in 66 years, I can do nothing about them. I can't relive them. I can't fix them. I can't go back and do things in a different way. Now I can learn from them. I might be able to rejoice in them, but I can't do anything about them. I can't do anything about tomorrow because it's not here. It's not here. And I'm not even guaranteed it. Tomorrow I might be in heaven and won't need to fix a thing. We, we have no idea when that's going to happen. The only day that I have to do anything about is now. So at the end of my day, Will it be a good ending? Will I rejoice or will I have regrets? It's one or the other. Will my sleep be sweet? As I think about this, I thought this week, there's some questions at the end of every day that if I'm wise, like Solomon is trying to teach us to be, if I'm a wise man, there are some questions I need to ask myself at the end of every day. I believe there are questions that every believer should ask. They're not difficult, but they're, they're important. First thing, today, this day, did I do what was right today? Did I just do what was right today? Um, 
I don't think God is real concerned if I preach a great sermon or something like that. God's concerned, did I do right? Did I, did I obey him? Uh, if you can, turn in your Bibles uh, to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Did I do right? 1 Peter chapter 1. The Bible says, if you would in, uh, uh, let's see, let's go to verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Get your thinking straightened out. Get your mind in the right place. Be sober, be serious, and hope to the end for the grace that it is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying you need to get serious about the Christian life. You need to take this for real. Uh, Jesus is coming pretty soon. And you need to be ready for that. But he goes on, he said, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy. Didn't we sing about that a little while ago? Look at this. So be ye what, church? Holy in all manner of conversation. The word conversation is an old English word. It means more than just our dialogue with other people. It does mean that, but it means our doings as well. It means every aspect of our life. The Bible says that we are to be holy in all manner of conversation, in our speech, in our activities, in our actions, in our treatment of other people, in our spirit, in all of those things. We're to be holy because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. So I need to go to bed tonight and I have to ask myself the question, did I do right? Now we understand that uh, we are still sinners. We are sinners saved by grace, but that ought not be an excuse for us to do as we please. Uh, we can call upon the grace of God. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will also with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Big long verse, but it says this, God will never let you be tempted beyond your ability to say no. God's got a promise there. God's grace will always be there to strengthen you, to enable you to endure the temptation and avoid doing the wrong and to do that which is right. Did I do right today? Did I do right? Did I treat people right today? Did I talk right today? Did I live right today? Did I think right today? Um, uh, was my thought life pleasing to the Lord? And I need to ask you, did, did I do right today? By the way, um, I, I'm not the one that we talked about this in Sunday school. I'm not the one that gets to decide whether something's right or wrong. We, we learned in Judges chapter 17, verse 6, that the big problem of 400 years of, of their history was that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. It, it doesn't matter if I don't think it's uh, wrong or I don't think it's that bad or I think somebody else is doing something far worse. None of that matters. Um, I'm supposed to do right based on the word of God. This is the arbiter of truth. This is called the perfect law of liberty in the book of James. And the Bible says we're going to be judged by this book. So I, I have to ask myself, did I obey the Bible today? Did I walk according to his precepts? Did I live according to his commandments? And I'm not talking about as a robot, but letting the word of God be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Did I hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God? Did I do right today? By the way, the question is not, did the, the people around me do right today? 
Uh, that, that's, that's not even supposed to be in, in our vernacular. Because we can't make anybody else around us do right, just me. Now, understand, moms and dads, you're supposed to raise your kids, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, teach them right from wrong. But I'm talking about as Christians, we just, as adults, as teenagers, if I could make everybody do right, if I could make everybody go soul winning, if I could make every man come to men's prayer meeting uh, and all that, I would do it. But I can't. You have to decide that for yourself. By the way, you can't make me do right. That's something I have to do of my own volition. So I have to ask myself tonight when I go to bed, so did I do right today? Now, I want you to think there's, there's doing right is like a coin that has two sides to it, okay? We're talking about the word sin. Sin is the opposite of doing right. In the Bible, there are what we would name sins of commission. We commit them. We lie. We cheat. We steal. We curse. We disobey parents, and on and on that list can go. The Bible says, thou shalt not, but we do it anyhow. And our nature, our old sinful nature is prone to that, isn't it? I've asked this question many times. How many of you ever had to teach your child to lie? I've had parents tell me their children never lie. And I understand their child's problem is hereditary. Nobody has to really teach us how to do wrong. We just gravitate to that. But when we get saved, the Holy Spirit abides within us. And the Holy Spirit's always going to point us to doing right. But uh, a sin of commission is when the Bible says, thou shalt not, but I do it anyhow. So when I'm asking myself, did I do right today? Is there anything that God's word says I shouldn't do that I did anyhow? Did I lie today? Did I treat somebody unkind today? Did, did I... Um, did I talk badly about somebody today? Did I take something that didn't belong to me today? Did I disobey my parents today? Did I disobey my teachers today? Was I disrespectful today? Those are sins of commission. If I'm going to ask myself truly, he says, be ye holy for I am holy. Holy means without sin. It means pure. It means perfect. I have to ask myself, so did I even come close today? Did I do right today? Sins of commission. But there's, turn to James chapter 4, just a page or two in front of 1 Peter 3. There's also what are called sins of omission, where the Bible says, thou shalt, but we don't. Look at James 4, verse 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Well, I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't date the girls who do. And we've got the idea that, that uh, Christianity or righteousness is just this list of don't do these things, but did I obey God? That's a sin of omission where God said, thou shalt, you need to do this. I've commanded this, but you don't. Uh, classic example, God came to a prophet named Jonah. God had already used him in the past, and he had had a prophecy that greatly benefited and blessed the nation of Israel. God came to him again and said, uh, Jonah, I want you to rise and go to the city of Nineveh and preach to them and tell them yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He was supposed to go to the capital of the, of the Syrian empire, uh, an empire that was known for its wickedness and cruelty to its conquered people. And he's supposed to walk in there and say, God's going to destroy you, Nineveh. This massive city. It was a three days journey into the city. He said, uh, it's all going to be destroyed. And you only got 40 days. And uh, that's what, that was God's plan. But Jonah said, I don't want to go there. 
We found out later in the book of Jonah, he didn't want to go because he knew that if those people repented from their sins, God would be merciful to them and he didn't want God's mercy on them. Isn't it sad how we want God's mercy for us, but we want his judgment for everybody else? That was Jonah. So Jonah got himself in the boat and uh, uh, he's going to sail to Tarshish, which is the other direction. Some believe that was, that was ancient Spain. He was going to get as far away from where he was supposed to be. Uh, by the way, Jonah wasn't doing drugs. Uh, Jonah wasn't getting drunk. Uh, Jonah wasn't committing adultery. But Jonah wasn't doing what God called him to do. Was God pleased with that or not? Not at all. Not at all. So I have to ask myself, was there anything that God wanted me to do today that I didn't do? Didn't do. How many of been out somewhere and you, you saw a person maybe standing at a street corner with a sign that said homeless or the person in the, that's going to hand you your coffee out of the Dunkin' Donuts window or maybe it's a co-worker and you just felt the Holy Spirit saying, give them a tract. Give, give them a tract. How many felt that? Uh, that? That's that impulse of the Holy Spirit. Did you give them a tract? Did you even try? I wonder how many times we've just, I, I'll get them next time. I'll do something next time. I, I keep some uh, tracks right in the, the side pocket in my car, and I, I always keep some bills if I can uh, in, in the change area. And don't go breaking into my car to get my money. Uh, I probably shouldn't have told you this. And the whole purpose is if, if I'm able to at, the, at an intersection, if the light turns red, uh, to get my window down, and not only just give them a little bit of money, uh, but to make sure that they get a gospel tract. And I don't know how many times I've driven off and seen in my, my rearview mirror uh, a man or a woman that's, that's homeless, that's, that's going through a hard time standing there reading a gospel tract. Um, that's, that's, that's obeying the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Lord may lead you and say, you need to call so-and-so or send somebody a text. They need some encouragement. Did you do it? So I'm going to bed at night. I'm asking myself, did I do right? Did I do right? Did I do right by avoiding that which the Bible says is wrong? Did I, did I keep myself clean? But did I also do right by, by obeying his commands to do things, to serve him, to love him? How many understand the distinction there? The end of the day, did you do right? Did you, did you treat your spouse right? Did you treat your parents right? Did you treat your classmates right? Did you treat your coworkers right? Did you do right today? There's a second question that I need to ask myself. First of all, did I do right today? Number two, did I give God my best today? Did I give God my best? In Ecclesiastes chapter nine, the same writer of the book of Proverbs wrote this and he said, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. You're still in the New Testament. Romans chapter 12. I'm very excited because I am so much on time. Romans chapter 12. I am not even thinking for a moment it's going to stay that way. The book of Romans, like most of Paul's letters, is divided into two parts. The first half is very doctrinal. And Romans is the great doctrine of salvation justification, sanctification, glorification. The last half of all of his books, uh, almost you can divide it right down the center, is very practical, saying, now take what I just told you, and here's how you put it into your life. So we're in the practical part. Uh, please look, if you would, to verse number nine. 
Let love be without dissimulation. That's a big word that means without hypocrisy. Don't pretend. Don't do that. Uh, let it be real. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. There's the, did I do right today? Did I, I abhor the evil, cleave to the good? Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. In honor preferring one another. Look at verse 11. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The word fervent means on fire. It means revived. It means excited. It, it means giving it my all. Did, did I give God my best today? Did I get my Bible and open it up and give God my full attention and say, Lord, truly open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law? Or did I uh, have my Bible open and the TV on at the same time and I'm just glancing up and down? Or uh, am I just kind of speed reading it and get it through so I can check it off on the back of that little page so I can say I read my Bible? Did I, did I give God my best? Have you ever talked to somebody and they're not looking at you, they're looking all around the room? How many have ever done that? That, that means they really don't care what you're saying. They, they just really don't. Um, it, it's amazing. God wants to talk to us through his, through his word. But half the time, we're not, even, we're not even really listening. We're just trying to get something checked off on our, our daily to-do list. Did I give God my best? Did I give him my best? Did, did I pray fervently? Did I give him my best or did I just read off a list to God and that, that was the end? Or did I really pour out my heart to God? Did I, did I pour out my praise as much as I poured out my problems? Did I give God my best today? If there was something that I'm supposed to do in the service of the Lord, teach a Sunday school class, uh, preach a sermon, uh, teach a class in the school, uh, did God get my best? Did I prepare well? Did I pray? Was I ready when I walked into that classroom? Had I prayed for each of those students? Was I expecting God to do something? Or was I just hoping that I had enough to fill up the 45 minutes so we could get them out of there and on to junior church? Did I give God my best today? I, I've enjoyed the singing this morning. There are services where I can just tell the spirit kind of gets into things. And I, I, just, I just watch the, the, the countenances and, and I just see something different. And, and there's a heart to the singing. And that's, that's what this morning was. And I, I hope that that will always be the case with us. Um, it, it's easy for us to stand and, and maybe think, well, I don't have that great a voice. You heard me singing, holy, holy, holy. Every time I hit the high note, it, it was, yeah, it was not a good high note. It's, it's not my thing. I was hoping he would hit it, but he was singing harmony for crying out loud. And he's singing 12 octaves below anything that I can do and all that. But I'm, I'm singing, I'm giving my best to God. We, we give our best to so many things. We give our, we give our best to, to work, I'm going to guess, because you get paid for that. And we give our best to, to our video game because, man, we, we got to get the new high score on that. And, 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 and we give our best if we're, we're uh, in love with some young lady or some young man and we want, to, we want that love to grow. We just, man, we're all about them. But then God gets leftovers. We, we, we come to church, but that's about it. We're just, we're, we're, we're saddest where we're there. Well, God should be happy I'm here. I, I think he is. But he'd be more happy if you were happy you were here. And that, it, that it was for him. Did I give God my best today? Turn back to the book of Malachi. It's the last book of the Old Testament. So you find Matthew. Keep going back a few pages. Malachi. Malachi was the last of God's prophets to the nation of Israel 
before the coming of Christ. After Malachi finished penning this letter, this message to the people of Israel, God was silent for 400 years. Can you imagine God not talking to you? I remember some times that I wasn't the best husband that I should be, that I did something and I could tell she wasn't happy with me. And I would say, is everything all right? I'm fine. I'm not going to ask if you ever heard that, but you know when she says it like that, she's lying through her teeth. I'm fine. And I got the silent treatment. And you know, that's kind of a hard way to build a marriage. And so it, it, it meant that I had to humble myself and find out what was wrong. Why aren't you talking to me? What have I done? And I had to take it and then I'm sorry and it had to be more than just, okay, sorry. That's as bad as I'm fine. It's a lie too. But, Lord, but, but honey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. Hope you'll forgive me. I'll try to do better. And all of a sudden that communication's open. I want you to understand God's got his final word to some people that aren't listening to him. And he's gonna get silent. And for 400 years, they're gonna live a miserable existence until God decides to speak again. With that in mind, look what, look what the Bible says, verse, verse six. I'm gonna read a lot of verses here, so just stay with me. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts, unto you, O priest, that despise my name. He's talking about the servants of the Lord. He said, you despise my name. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? You offer polluted bread upon mine altar. The, the, the bread in the holy place uh, had to be made in a very special way with very fine flour, uh, with, with particular spices in it and so forth. And whatever was going on at this time, the priests were just, you know, oh, we'll just get some wonder bread and throw 12 slices of that. That'll be good. That'll be good enough. Or they're, they're giving God, you know, barley bread or something like that and, and instead of giving him the best. Uh, you've offered polluted bread upon mine altar and, and ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, the, temp, the table of the Lord is contemptible. In their hearts they thought, this, just, this is just dumb. Why are we doing this? So that's, God says, that's how you serve me. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice... Is it not evil? The, the lambs they offered, the animals they offered had to be without spot and without blemish because they were pictures of Jesus Christ. If you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee? Sometimes when they paid taxes, if they didn't have gold or silver, uh, the government officials would accept livestock instead. He said, would you bring some diseased, blind, lame animal and say, here, can I pay my taxes with this? He's going he's gonna to throw you out. He's not going to accept it. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been, been your means. Will he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? I'm begging you. Uh, get right with God. Give God what he deserves. Give God the best. But your, your whole practice has been, been this way. 
Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? You would close the doors for no reason. Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. He said, the fire on that altar that you're supposed to keep burning, it has a reason and a purpose. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Wow. I don't like you. I don't like you. Does God like you? We know he loves us. But I mean, when he looks at the way we, we live and conduct ourselves, does God like it? Does God like it? Is God pleased? Did I give God my best today? He says, for from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts, but ye have profaned it. In that ye say the table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof even as meat is contemptible. Ye said also, behold, what a weariness is. I'm so tired of going to church. I'm so tired of being asked to go soul winning. I'm so tired of all of this. What a weariness. I'm so tired of pastoring. I'm so tired of teaching. I'm just bored with it. Can't we make church more exciting? Can't we dim the lights and put a rock band up here and get some strobes going on and some smoke machines? And Boy, what a weariness it is. What a weariness it is. You have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts, and you have brought that which was torn and the lame and the sick. Thus you brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? You, you just, you brought me your junk. You didn't even give me your second best. You gave me that which you absolutely didn't want. And you gave me the least that you could give me. He said, he said, should I accept this? Should I be okay with this? And the answer is no. And they didn't listen to Malachi. And God said, fine. Fine. I'm done talking. And for 400 years... They never heard another word from God. The silent years, also called biblically the dark years, overrun by empire after empire, caught in the middle of other people's wars, uh, suffering all types of persecution, and, and so they just wouldn't listen. Um, did I give God my best today? I, I need to ask that. I don't always feel well. I'm, I'm 66, I, I don't have the energy that I had at 35 or 40, but I have the energy I have now that I gave God all of it. Uh, I'm wearing a back brace today. I, I injured my back on Wednesday, not sure what I did. I couldn't even walk on Thursday. And so I'm wearing a back brace and I've got, you know, biofreeze on the, my lower back and all of that. Um, so I'm not moving around a whole lot uh, and that type of thing, but I, I, I hope as God is my witness, that I'm given 100% of what I have to give. That I'm not using some pain as an excuse to say, well, I just won't do anything. No, I'll just do what I can. I'll just do what I can. I see that around here all the time. I see people that come to church and they're hurting. And I'm not talking about contagious. If you're contagious, stay home, keep it to yourself and your cat, okay? Uh, but I'm, I'm talking about people that have backaches, that have migraines, things like that, that still make it out to the house of God and well, I think God looks down and says, you're, you're not feeling so well, but you're still here and you're giving me what you can. Did I give God my best today? There's a third thing that I want to ask myself. Did I do right today? Did I give God my best today? And number three, this is tied to that. Did I please God today? 
did I please God today? God says, should I accept this at your hands? Should I be pleased with what you've given me? Did I please God? Colossians 3.23 says, and whatever you do, do it, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Is God happy with me? Did I, did I please him today? Did I glorify him? Was he happy with the way that I talked to my husband or to my wife? Was he happy with the way I, I responded to my parents? Was he happy with the way I read my Bible or prayed? Was he happy with the way that I followed his leadership? Was, was he happy with my attitude? Was he happy with, was he, was God happy with what I did today? The Bible says in Re Revelation chapter 4, 11, that everything was created for his pleasure. Not my pleasure, not your pleasure, but for the pleasure of God. So are, are we making God happy? Currently, since we got the chest thing figured out, um, Sam and I are now preparing for, for my next powerlifting competition. Now I've got a bad back, so I, I don't know if that's going to set things back a little bit, but that's uh, the plan. In the middle of January, uh, I'm supposed to compete once again. Because of that, he has a he has a workout plan, a routine that he placed on my, my cell phone for me. And we are, we are doing heavier weights and we are doing more reps per set. Instead of doing four or five deadlifts, I'm doing 10. And then I only get a two-minute rest and I have to do another 10. And a two-minute rest and I have to do another 10. Uh, and a two-minute uh, rest and one more. And I go straight from that to overhead presses. And it's the same thing. It's heavy weight. I get a two-minute rest in between. I'm supposed to do 10 at a time. Uh, bench pressing, we're doing heavy weight, 10 at a time and no stopping at the top. It's, it's like this. I have to do 10, not quite that fast. I get two minutes to recover and I have to start it again. I have to do that four times. Um, so we, we started this program uh, a, a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago. I guess two weeks ago tomorrow uh, and so forth. It was the first day and it, and it was deadlift and overhead presses. Uh, both of them are a challenge because they involve the use of the prosthetic leg, deadlift especially. Uh, and we've worked for a couple of years trying to figure out how I can do a deadlift with this thing and, and so forth. So I'm doing heavy weight and I'm doing 10 at a time, two minute rest. And it was exhausting. Um, I, I'm, while I'm doing it, I'm thinking, does he realize that I'm an old man? Does, does he understand this? Because he puts pictures of himself up doing the same weight, the same that I'm doing. And, you know, he's just pumping everything out. I said, great, you're half my age. You're 33, I'm 66. What's the deal with it? I don't say anything. Um, but, uh, man, I, I, I worked hard and, and I completed everything. It was one of those days that, that everything clicked. Uh, I completed every rep in every set and so forth and ended my day. And the next client came in and Sam was already moving off to train with him. But several hours later, my phone dinged and I got a text from Sam. It was just three words. He said, great job today with an exclamation point. He's my trainer. He's the guy teaching me everything. He's the guy that I've, I've placed myself under his leadership for this. And my trainer said, great job today, all in capital letters. It means kind of he was shouting it out. Can I be honest with you? That felt pretty good. I saved that for on the days when I don't get one of those because it wasn't such a great job that day. At the end of my day, is that what God says to me? Great job today, Tom. You really did a good job. 
I'm really proud of you. You did everything I asked you to do. You did it right away. You didn't argue. You obeyed me. And I, I know you could have watched something that you shouldn't, but you chose not to. I know you could have said something that you shouldn't, but you chose not to. I know you could have listened to something that you shouldn't, but you chose not to. You just chose to do right. Son, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. At the end of the day, I'm going to ask myself the question, did I do right today? Based on this book, did I do right? Did I give God my best? Or did I just go at it half-hearted? And is God pleased with me? The answer to those questions, they're going to determine whether I lay me down in peace and rejoice or I lay down and say, boy, I hope nobody finds out. I hope nobody saw that. I shouldn't have done that. And instead of peace, I have fear and regret. And it's all up to me. You don't decide any of that. I do. By the way, you decided for you. You decide if you, how many here, you're saved and you know it. You know for sure that if this was your last day on earth, that you would be in heaven, you've been born again and you know what that means, and you've been saved. How many can say that you know that? Do you know that one of the titles given for us is Christian, which means little Christ? Followers of Christ, we're, we're supposed to be like him. That's why it says, be holy, even as I am holy. Are we? Can we pray together? Father, thank you for the privilege of being in church.